The older I get, the less I try to apply any expectations, you know, yeah. because they're never quite right, and I'd rather just let the experience wash over me. Yeah. Although yeah. I will say this, I don't think, think recognising the impermanence of, of things should mean that we don't stop planning for oh, some vision of the future. I think it's a great thing in the moment to wake up and have some idea of what you're building and creating. But equally, you've got to be, uh, you've got to be flexible because yeah. a curveball from life, that's guaranteed. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Scientists can say that the Earth existed 4.5 billion years ago. Mm. You and I are homo sapiens, so we're a version of, uh, I was going to say humankind, I can't, I can't even say that definitively, but there's homo erectus, mm. there's been Neanderthals, there's been other versions of us, but we as homo sapiens, you know, bipeds, big brain, we've only been here for 250,000 years. Mm. A blink, a blink in the eye. Well, here's the blink. If the 4.5 billion Earth years was a year, we've been here 12 minutes. <laughs> 12 minutes. And we want to take ourselves so seriously. <laughs> mm. Yeah, nothing like a dose of history to put things in perspective. <laughs> Evolution is not always progress, is it? Well, that's interesting, isn't mm. it? I'll, uh, boy, there's another chapter with you. Yeah, there is. <laughs> I'm just throwing them out there. That's a take-home one. That's free. It's a chip chapter. It's a chapter with it's chip. It's a charming chapter from chip. All right. Well, well, we have to put charming on the end now. We have to put charming in there now. I like that a lot. Yes, you've joined yet another episode of A Journey with Bernie. And my dear people, I can promise you this one is going to be very, 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 very different because I owe you something. If, uh, if you've been an advocate of this particular podcast, you would recognize that very early on in the piece, I did suggest to you that it would be worthwhile if we took a break one week and we just started to summarize what were the collective learnings from all of our guests. Now, if you go back to episode number 10, you can actually receive a summary of the first nine episodes of A Journey with Bernie. And I know uh, that was very gratefully received by many of our listeners by the feedback that, uh, that we did receive in the, in the weeks that followed. Well, we're up to episode number 37. Do you know what that means? We've had 26 guests who haven't been summarized. <laughs> and I'm just wondering what is their collective message? You know, what themes, um, what offerings of learnings have, uh, have, have come through those guests that overlap and that may be a central message to each and every one of us as we pursue our pathway to become more loving human beings, generate greater inner happiness and find best meaning in our lives. 
It's been a real privilege over the last week to go through so many of these episodes and just feel those overlapping themes. But in some ways, just to hear so many different messages from so many different people who come from so many different walks of life, that too has been stimulating. Can I give you a little bit of that stimulus right now? I'm just playing at random five excerpts from five different guests, Stevie Gilbert, the wonderful Mr. Duff from Ireland, Rebecca Williams. Thank you, Beck. And what about JJ? And of course, memorable episode with Keith State, um, wonderful, beautiful man who lost his son, Joel, at the age of 37. How brave is he to come on a journey with Bernie? Now, listen to what they had to offer and just be stimulated by the variation of learnings. You know, Bernie, yeah. when, I, when I met with you for a coffee this morning, I was complaining about my kids jumping on my bed at five in the morning and waking me up every 20 minutes just as I fell back to sleep. Uh, but, you know, like one day the kids are going to be out of the house and I'm going to look back on that and go, I'd give a I'd give million dollars to for my, for, for my three-year-old and five-year-old to jump on my bed and, and wake me up at five in the morning. You know, so it's all perspective, but yeah. You're allowed to have an off day, yeah. mate. Welcome to humanity, my favourite phrase. Don't sweat the small stuff. <laughs> What's that mean? I know, I know what it means as a phrase, but what do you mean by that? What do you mean well, when you say a, that to us? There's a lot worse things in life that can happen to oneself um, than, uh, yeah, the yeah. loss of a lifestyle or whether it be money or things, materialistic things. You yeah. don't need. Yeah. You don't need it. Yeah. I don't say this lightly, right, because I'm not just trying to prove a point or I wouldn't disrespect their memory. I love my parents. They're awesome. If I could have my parents back tomorrow, Bernie, but to have them back, I had to give away the revelation and experience and understanding that I have of God as Father. Um, I wouldn't do it. Wow, Rob, that's a biggie. <laughs> So now here I am because I've had all these opportunities before to forgive, make amends, but I never, I chose against it because I was like, no, I'm not because I can't forgive you for this. And yeah. I was still holding on to it. Yeah. And now this moment is now probably past. It's gone. Yeah. It's probably died, JJ. Yeah. And you being so self-centered, self-ego, all the rest of it, bondage of self, you've lost opportunity. God, you're a good man, like, mate. Oh, good damn man. it. And now I'm starting to feel bad. And then all of a sudden the phone rings. I'm like, hey, dad, it's hey, son. You're good? I'm like, yeah, I'm all good. How are you? Oh, yeah, I'm all right. I said, nah, mum said you got some problems. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's okay. Don't worry about it. I'll just ring to see how you're going. Wow. You haven't spoken for years. Years. I'm like, Dad, you okay? And he's just like, yeah, man, I'm all right. I said, Dad, while we're talking, I said, while we're talking, can I just say something? He's like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I'm good. Dad, I'm sorry for what I've done to you over the years. I'm so, I, uh, I hope you find it in your heart to forgive me for what I've done to you. And he, uh, he goes, oh, son. Yeah, nah. He goes, I hope you forgive me. No, no, that's not about this. It's not about that. It's not about that. It's not about that. It's about what I've done to you. And, um, 
because I've done some bad things and I'm sorry for that. And I hurt you, I, I, I hurt you. Yes, it's all good, son. <laughs> let it go. Did he say let it go? Let it go. Did he say let yeah. it go? And I was just like, oh, man. God, mate, he must have done Vipassana. <laughs> yeah, I think so, right? They just energised each other, I think. And um, through the um, organising his funeral process, obviously we did some chats with the um, celebrant and... One of the most challenging questions he asked us is about, you know, what did Joel mean to us? Yeah. And for Kieran's answer, and you know, she said, I've been living my life in black and white. And when Joel came into my life, suddenly it was colour. Do you see, folks, you know, that's what I mean. Even if there wasn't a collective theme emerging, I just get such a jolly out of some of their some of those particular thoughts. Rebecca Williams, don't sweat the small stuff. You know, JJ on forgiveness. These are all powerful learnings. I want to bring some colour into this particular episode, a summary episode of the last uh, 26 guests that we've had on a journey with Bernie. And there's no better way to bring colour. And I'm looking at colour right here and now, folks, because <laughs> I am not going to bore you with my voice for the next uh, 45 minutes. I have to introduce you to a very, very special person. You listen to A Journey with Bernie, but you don't realise the editor, the producer, my Steven Spielberg, my sound technician, and I'm very grateful to say this now, a very, very good friend. Lachlan Huddy, how the daffy duck are you? Bernie, it's an absolute <laughs> pleasure to be here. I'm feeling pumped. I'm hopped up on caffeine this fine Friday morning. Mate, I'm, I'm releasing you. You've always just been behind the, at the, bit. the machine there and, and editing it and producing it and putting it together, and now you're on the microphone. My beneficent benefactor. I very much appreciate I, I appreciate I appreciate you letting me out of the basement. <laughs> Mate, you're worth it. And uh, I need to owe you an enormous amount of thanks because, dear people, uh, with you, hand on heart, I want you to know, Lockie volunteers his time. Um, that wasn't my intention or even our intention, but uh, I think, well, mm. why do you do it? Why do you give so much time to the Journey with Bernie podcast? Uh, I believe in the message, Bernie. I believe in the work, and I think that uh, I think you're good at what you do. Oh, and, and I'm it's, too kind, mate. It's a pleasure to be a part of it. Well, I am, it, I am too kind. Well, it, it, is, it is interesting because in your volunteering, I, of course, have never wanted to take that for granted. So, buddy, mm. uh, you and I have a wonderful secret. Yes. <laughs> what are we doing next Monday, oh, Lucky? We, we may be taking a, a little trip to a little country called Nepal. Yes, mate. Uh, <laughs> and and I, should, I should tell our listeners that it, uh, I'm not entirely volunteering my services since uh, you are indeed footing the bill um, for my trip there, and I'm extremely grateful, and I'm extremely excited. And, mate, and you deserve every bit of it. And, and, and what a privilege for a journey with Bernie to have you there. And goodness knows mm-hmm. what's going to surface out of that remarkable experience that awaits us both on our, on our trek to Everest Base Camp. So 
magnificent videos. Yeah. I can guarantee you that the kit so, is good. The pictures are going to be beautiful. We're going to we're going to get something special. I think. Well, that that's the thing you need to know, dear listeners, is that not only is he great with the audio, but he's absolutely superb with the camera. Hey, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about that whole uh, experience? I called you the Steven Spielberg of a journey with Bernie. So, what do those exactly mean by that? Uh, well, I handle the audio side of things. And I handle the editing. So, uh, just to give uh, people a little behind-the-scenes peek, uh, Bernie, every week, every episode supplies me with a run sheet uh, of how he really wants the episode to come together. I'll add uh, my sort of fine-tuning adjustments, um, and then uh, I supply the final audio that uh, you then upload to Spotify to But you make Apple movies, Podcasts. man. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Tell us about that part of your life. Uh, well, uh, that's been mostly... I've had a little bit of uh, formal training in filmmaking, but that's been mostly autodidactic. It's just something... Mate, autodidactic? <laughs> yeah, mate, we're like much that, simpler right? than that. I knew you'd like that. It's self-taught. <laughs> well, it's, you know, the filmmaking uh, side has been a wonderful thing in my life because it's been something I'm so passionate about. I just learned um, <laughs> through doing and learned through teaching myself. Yeah. Um, and, oh, you know, I think I can swing a camera pretty well these days but you love it mate don't you uh, like, it's it's one it's a such a fantastic way to tell stories yeah yeah yeah, yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and to to communicate yeah now dear people i've introduced him as as Lockie, but i've never called him Lockie once no that yeah i know that was mate, right i was where was did chip yeah <laughs> mate we all got to call him chip <laughs> for goodness sake and often he rocks up with one of those steven spielberg little caps what do you call those little caps yeah no what are those called I don't know, like a like a driving cap a yeah. sunday driving cap <laughs> Not quite a beret, you know, but something like that. Why chip? Uh, I'm glad you asked because you'll like this one. That simply came about, I went to boarding school uh, in Townsend when I was a kid. Now, I went to this school for orientation day before, uh, when I was in year seven before I joined properly in year eight. My brother's friend, Tony, took one look at me. You could, I'm, <clears throat> I'm a small fellow, listeners, and back then I wore glasses that are even bigger than the ones I wore now. I think Coke bottles. He took uh. one look at me and said, I'm going to call you Chip. <laughs> and I said, why? He said, your face... Looks like a computer monitor. <laughs> and he was a popular lad, so he started calling me chips. Everyone else did. Well, mate, we're, we're off to Nepal on Monday, mate, and we are seriously going to have a hoot. And the thing that I, I think that I've learned from Journey with Bernie is never to predict what's ahead because life mm. has, a, has a right to um, offer us uh, different experiences. And I've got no doubt, mate, that their experiences is awaiting us and we haven't got a clue what they are but mm. I just got a feeling they might be grand <laughs> yes I'm with you and I'm glad you said that too because I'm really the older I get the less I try to apply any expectations you know yeah. because they're never quite right and I'd rather just let the experience wash over me yeah. although yeah. I will say this I don't think I don't think recognizing the impermanence of of things should mean that we don't stop planning for oh, some vision of the future. I think it's a great thing in the moment to wake up and have some idea of what you're building and creating. But equally, you've got to be uh, you've got to be flexible because yeah. a curveball from life that's guaranteed. hundred <laughs> percent. Well, so do you understand what this particular episode, or maybe Chip? Ready for this? Maybe. 
there might be multiple episodes where we start to summarise the collective messages. Now, mm. the, the thing that I want to come up with right now is what are we going to call these oh, you and I summaries? Mm-hmm. Any mm. ideas? Well, you, I mean, I don't mind a bit of alliteration. Uh, you don't mind... Alliteration? What do you mean? Using the... The CH from Chip. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the consonant, the consonant sound at the start of words. You don't mind a bit of a wordplay given the name of your podcast. Charming Chip. Just a charming Chip. But what about we need we need like a word that describes a certain section of a story? Is what I'm thinking. What? A chapter. Oh, it's like it's, it's like we thought of it before, Bernie. Incredible. It's a chip chapter. It's a chapter with It's chip. a charming chapter from Chip. All right. Well, well, we have to put charming on the end now. We have to put charming in there now. I like that a lot. So, dear listeners, what we're going to do is we're going to summarize the collective messages from our, from our guests mm. so that I hopefully, rather than hitting us with jabs, there's a couple of right hooks in there, a couple of knockout punches because the collective message will speak so loudly to us, you know. And uh, we're going to call these uh, chip chapters because chip <laughs> will be a, a common theme in these particular episodes. Co-pilot. And I'm sure that you'll, you'll enjoy the, these summaries. Well, Chip, let me ask you, you you've been listening for what I, I would suggest – about 15 of these last episodes, oh, there yes. or thereabouts. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Are there any particular overlapping themes that occur to you that seem to be arising from our multiple guests? You know, they're not exactly saying exactly the same thing, but are there, are there themes that you see um, are starting to appear mm. regularly? Mm. Mm. Yeah, very strongly. Very strongly, I think. Um, in particular, there's the, yeah they don't say it they don't say exactly the same thing. I think what they do they're all driving at the same kind of point. There is a, a universal kind of truth there. There's certainly for me uh, the letting go of the ego is such yeah. an important aspect. I think of just about every guest's uh, story, whether they word it that way or not. And then also, and this comes up again and again, because I consume a lot of stuff around these topics, but this question of, are we God? Whoa, 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 whoa. The you big mate, you pulled out the big one. Yeah. Hey? <laughs> Why not? We're, we're going big out of the gates. It's a chapter with Chip Bernie. <laughs> well, mate, that's the Chad Foreman. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I can't, I'll never forget that moment where I said, Chad, are you telling our listeners that we are God? He just went, yep. Yep. That's what I loved about Chad. He he just married this workmanlike, you know, uh, practicality with these uh, huge themes. It was, yeah, really invigorating to listen to. Yeah, the letting go of, of, of ego. And, and, of course, the question there becomes where does ego arise? Like how, how does it arise? For me, there's a theme that has appeared and I've got in the back of my mind the Bella Cameron comment where she spoke for the first time a word I'd never heard of. The word was unlearning. Unlearning. Mm. Unlearning. Unlearning from what? Unlearning from society's paradigm of success. Hey, let's have a listen to Bella. And let's just hear what she had to say. What would your little five-year-old self be proud to see you do? What would your little inner child be happy to see you doing? As a 
As a child, I loved colour and nature and creating and escaping and, and just spending quality time by myself working through a project. I'm no different than when I was five in some ways because I'm listening to what my true self wanted to do before society got in the way. Then there was Chip, the managing of mind. Mm. Yeah, this whole concept that our 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 mind can be um, an unwarranted or uninvited is probably a better word guest to our day to day, and we need to be able to manage it. Otherwise, it can take us down pathways of thought that don't serve us. Matthew Barber even spoke about purifying the mind, getting rid of past data mm. that, um, uh, that can affect how we see ourselves and how we see, see life. Here's what Matthew had to say. Um, at this stage, um, the focus is to develop self-mastery. Um, that is mastery over the mind. Yeah. That, that's one big part of it. Uh, the other part of it is to purify the mind. Yeah. Um, that is to remove and allow to dissolve all the deeply rooted complexes that are there. From past experiences. That's right. Maybe even genetic experience. Sure, maybe not ancestor, even just from this life. Yeah. Wow, 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 yeah. wow, wow. And if you do that, if you if you get really close or even achieve self mastery or that degree of control, what do you expect to experience? Yeah. So when the mind becomes purified, so the self mastery is 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 just a means. Yeah. We need to develop the mastery of the mind in order to start purifying the mind. They they go together. Yeah. Yeah. They support each other. Um, and what starts to happen is that as the deep unconscious layers of the mind start releasing what they've accumulated, the mind becomes cleaner and yeah. lighter and more free. Yeah. So naturally, as a result of that, our, our essence starts to shine through. And, you know, we could use different words to describe that, like, like love or unconditional peace joy, bliss, all these natural qualities that are already our essence, yeah. they start to come through from the core. Steve Gilbert, too. You remember your mate, uh, Steve? My mate, Steve. Well, he's the reason we uh, got to know each other. Absolutely, absolutely. But I'll, I remember Steve talking about managing the mind through meditation, mm. but what he taught me was there are many different forms of of meditation mm. yeah yeah do you realize that you're going to experience a form walking in the himalayas yes well i hope i hope to yeah well, well you do because it's really interesting the form that it takes is one foot after the other but you're actually watching where you're putting your foot mm. in forced mindfulness a- absolutely yeah. absolutely it is mm. it's fascinating then you look up into the most powerful forces of nature promise you mate you see more yeah. <laughs> oh, it's exciting. Yeah. Hey, uh, another theme is you mentioned that the, the, the whole concept of the God within, you know, the uh, uh, may the force be with you, the spirit, the energy, the intellect, the intelligence, I don't care what they call it, but doesn't that 
reappear over and mm. over again and in different forms. Chad called it the unified field, the actual physics definition of its existence. Like, mm. wow. Yeah, love is the fragrance of emptiness, of, of our core void, this universal field that's like yeah. space. Love is its fragrance. And any individual being who's connected to this essence it is also connected with that loving presence. Wow. And you feel it when you're in the presence of any master or anyone who's truly, and this is anyone who's truly humble. This is anyone, any everyday person can be in touch with this. This is our true nature. And this is the difference between I'm going to be enlightened in a hundred lifetimes compared to what I discovered at at my Buddhist monastery was these radical teachings, which were a little bit against the traditional religious sense, is that you're already enlightened. Here's another theme. Um, What about the actual pursuit of love and happiness as a daily purpose. We're mm. talking about it almost as if it's our job. <laughs> mm. Yes. It's it's interesting. And it's one of the, you know, love and happiness, a lot of people seem to think it's something that sort of happens to us. Mm. But what you're talking about, what so many guests have talked about is making that intentional. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's actually a pursuit. You mm. know? Bella Cameron would say, well, unlearn first, go through the process of unlearning. Mm. Uh, maybe not first, but it's, it's up there. Secondly, meditate, stop this intervening mind, allow yourself to unclutter, feel the spirit within, and then make it a pursuit that you're going to keep on managing, shaping and moulding, becoming this loving human being, of which, of course, a journey with Bernie is part of that strategy. It's all about, that's yeah, the yeah, mission yeah, statement. Yeah, yeah. Weren't we blessed with what I call the state, S-T-A-I-T-E trilogy? I don't know how that came into my life or a journey with Bernie life, but the Joel State episode of number eight, um, followed by upon Joel's passing, his dad being mm. a guest here. That was, those, those taken together are two of my favourites because you, you can hear in Joel's voice his serenity. Yeah. You know, the, the surrender to what's happened and how much purpose and even joy he got out of that. And then to hear Keith and to hear just the unalloyed pain mm. um, and, and love he had for his son and just and completely unafraid to express that. And, and, and the message that evolved from this, remember the, the, the tribute episode we did? I think it's mm-hmm. episode 25. Then there's Keith and it, it really is saying, how do you keep Joel's spirit alive? And so the inference is you don't sort of like intentionally keep it. It is alive. Mm. <laughs> Even by talking about him. Yeah. It it becomes a lot like I've had the advantage of speaking to his lovely wife Kieran. Now what a story that is, just a reminder to our listeners. Joel passes away, but four days before he passes away and Keith said he he was virtually dead in the hospital. I mean, the body was so decayed as it waits to take its final breath. But somehow the man gets himself out of bed into a wheelchair. To go to the chapel, mm. I'm tearing up, mate. Yeah. To walk ten steps to the altar with his bride to be. 
You That's know? what purpose can do for you, isn't it? Right, purpose. And Keith just describes it as the most loving act that he's, that he's, ever, that he's ever seen. Yeah, it's, it's hard to describe, but my, my oldest son in his um, eulogising of Joel spoke of strength and he gave different examples of strength that he'd seen and experienced in his life, but he'd never seen anything, anything at all that came close to what Joel achieved that day by just merely walking 10 metres. 10 metres. He was effectively on his deathbed and he dragged himself that 10 steps, 10 metres. And yes, it was partly for him, but it was mostly for everyone else. And to me, that's not only is it strong, but what an expression of love that is, that on your deathbed you do something like that for everyone else. Wait, stop it, stop it, stop it. The overriding story is why are we waiting for death to be imminent to choose how to really live? Mm, mm. It's a, it's a, it's an interesting thing about humanity, isn't it? That we seem to we we need to be aware of the ticking clock before yeah. we really seize every one of those seconds. And I think the question they give us is how can we be aware on a daily basis mm. without the grim. We, exactly. Reaper tapping us on the shoulder, mm. you know. Just imagine if you could do that, Chip. Mm. Well, that's the that's the idea. That's Wake what we're up here each for, day wait, and know that you're dying. Yeah. Guess what? You're closer to death today than you were yesterday. As and as morbid as that sounds, in fact, it's actually the stimulation to yes. really live. It's empowering. The isn't current it? moment, empowering concept. Thank yeah. you, Joel and Keith and Kieran and the, and the beautiful state family. Hey, there's another theme that's come through for me. It's love. What does love for all people look like? You know? Mm. Yeah. Dr. Minoj from Nepal even spoke about it in the way that it infiltrates his medicine, mm. how he greets each and every guest well, I won't tell you what he says. Here's what he says. <laughs> Being a doctor, uh, since our schooling, uh, we are being taught by our teachers uh, that we're dealing with a live human being, which is not different than ourselves, our family members. So always think this patient is also a member of family as one of mine. If you have this feeling, I'm treating one of my family members. She's having pain or he's having pain or they're in problem. What would I have chosen for my parents, my sibling, my children, or my anyone? If we think that and we will go like that, applying our knowledge, skill, what we have been trained, that will make the difference, I think. So there's some themes, and you, you, and you've added a good one there about letting go of the ego. I think today we should focus in on one of those themes, and let's see what our collective guests say about it. I think that's a fabulous idea, mate. You, 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 you're going to choose one for us. Uh, we, I think we should start at the beginning, um, and let's delve right into the unlearning. Well, mate, good one. I only learned about this word about 
you know, three months ago. <laughs> I'd and never man- heard of it before then. You managed not to unlearn it in the interim. <laughs> well, if I think about unlearning, what, I've, what I hear now is, is how easy it is as an innocent child whose brain and emotion and, and, and body is born with some state of emptiness and then for the first seven years of life takes on the messages that are mm. all around the child. Now, what are those messages? Where are they coming from? Well, come from a television set. They could come from mum and dad. They come from families. Well, where did all their messages come from, you know? Mm. Forgive me for saying so. Like, I don't know about your beautiful parents. Mine are beautiful. But I can let you know now they've got generational karma (laughs) in the way that they see the world that might not necessarily um, serve greater inner happiness. Uh Yes. I mean, we all labor under some baggage of the past, don't we? Yeah. Our, Our own. Our parents, their parents. Yeah, you know. I mean, how far back do you want to go? Yeah, well, I know, I know people of that generation. Please forgive me for saying it like this, but they have a terrible dislike for the Japanese because yeah. of what happened in World War Two, and mm. they're still talking about it and living it. And it's the way they see the world. Yeah, it's be, it's they've allowed it to become a part of them. It's really interesting. And yeah. you, you wonder, I mean, how conscious are they of it? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and of the burden it imposes on them too, you know, it's like, you know, you're not doing yourself any favours by carrying those things around, but we do, we do it and we, we seem to want to hold on to those things. Well, it can be a burden on families too mm-hmm. if you get attached to the conversation around all that or a supposed correction. <laughs> That's the one thing I, I refuse to do mm-hmm. is to move into correction because I think it's about understanding um, where that comes from mm. and uh, how that how that arises, you know. I think Keith Clark. Keith Clark was the gentleman I met at Starbucks in Tokyo. The 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 wonderful American, and we had, we had some funny conversations while drinking coffee. And then I said, Keith, <laughs> let's go on a podcast. But I think he nailed it when he spoke about how easy it is to be programmed as a as a young person. Mm-hmm. This is what Keith Clark had to say about society's paradigms of success and buying into it. We're programmed at an early age, as I think you're aware of. Like, uh, you know, I got to go to school. I got to go to college. You know, I got to do the university thing. I've got to, I've got to participate in uh, all the things that uh, you know, as our parents in schools and churches wanted to at an early age. But I realized that um, I had something more to give to the world and so I wanted wanted to look at uh, you know how can I impact the world and uh, make a change make a yeah. difference yeah. Uh, and that didn't go along with you know the program then of course there was Matthew Barber Chip and uh, young man who had the penthouse he had it all penthouse what beach Bondi Beach yep he describes the perfect girlfriend, had the wonderful engineering job, circle of friends. He said it was heaven. But 
he said something inside him just said, I'm still not happy. Mm, yeah. <laughs> And, he, yeah, and and you can hear that when it, when he's recounting those days, you can still hear that sort of, you know, that melancholy in his voice. Yeah. Like that something was missing. Yeah. It's very interesting. Well, here's what he had to say. The first thing that came to my mind just then was uh, a roller coaster. Yeah. Um, taking a leap of faith and leaving what was comfortable and leaving these ideas of what I initially thought was success yeah um being in this space of what would outwardly outwardly be seen as very successful but inside i was i was suffering yeah. i was miserable and uh but too scared to leave the bubble so you're just coming back to innocent minds what did they get filled with what are they buying into with really no option to say, no, I don't believe that. You, no, mm. You're not going to say that at seven. You're going to no. sort of like listen to everything that mum, dad, church on Sundays, uh, the primary school education um, is going to say. So how much conditioning is actually going on, you know, in those first seven, 12, 15 years of life before a young child starts to take some responsibility for the choices that they make. And then you've got to make the choices with some understanding as to what are the choices. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, you're getting, you're getting very big now, Bernie, you're getting very broad. Well, they, they, it, well you, if you don't know what the choices are, you've got limited choices to make. As you s attempt to take some responsibility for what's important in your life, but you can only take responsibility for what you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's the it's the age old question: what do you know, and uh, what don't you know, and what don't you know? Yeah, you don't know. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Remember Chad Foreman when he spoke about educational conditioning. Mm. Well, he didn't use those words, but just a reminder to our listeners: here's what we learned from Chad. And if we want to go back before university, we've actually got to question what's actually happening at primary and secondary school level. How are we preparing our, our young people for life? Yeah, I don't think we are. We're preparing them for an economy. And, and I'm a bit cynical in the sense I don't think we have a society. I think we live in an economy. And, everyone, and money is the most important uh, lifeblood of our lives. Every day we have to make money. If you don't make money and you haven't got it, you're stuffed, you know. Yeah. You're, you're homeless and, and your health is going downhill. Yeah. I don't know about you, Chip, but when I heard him say that education prepares us for an economy, what was your reaction to that? Oh, I thought it was just a masterfully worded. Yeah. You know, it was, it was like a sniper bullet, yeah. you know, straight to the brain. And it just spoke to me of some degree of truism. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And so these are all of the, the conditioning processes that some of our guests have alluded to that we need to be aware of. Otherwise, we're buying into a pathway that... Well, let's describe it. Education, get good marks, go to university. This is not for everybody. 
go to tertiary studies, get the degree. Innes Hemmings also spoke about that heaven was the boyfriend, the, the well-paying job, and then just the recognition that the mortgage, the marriage with three children can be bliss, can be beautiful, no doubt about it, but it can also just lead to that state where it, I make it up now, 35 to 45, and you're just saying there's got to be more than this. Mm. Oh? Yeah, and we all seem to arrive there. You know, it's and I, I, if that's if that's the book that everyone's following, then you know how how can you really have a unique story? A unique story, but how do you know that it's maximised living? Mm. You know, what's that? I don't know. That's just a Bernie phrase that I <laughs> I I, I'm, I make up. But he, he, is it leading us to a, a state of sustainable meaning? And happiness. That's what Bella Cameron, um, that's what she alluded to when she first introduced the word unlearning. Mm. It's profitable for the Western oh, world wow. for us to idealise a certain body type because naturally, even I'm just speaking for women, naturally most women don't fall into a size 8 uh, trim and fit body type. Um, naturally we don't. Naturally we sit maybe a little bit more than that and it's profitable for people to think that unless I look like that I have to keep trying to fight to look like that and it's profitable the the diet industry the health industry profits off it so of course they want us to believe that we have to fit this mold because that mold makes them a lot of money and for me personally I've fell victim to that it's a good metaphor, isn't it, too? Yeah. This, these stories that we tell ourselves we need to adhere to become constrictive, like yeah. a size 8 dress. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, my good friend, absolutely. So these, these beautiful guests are, are calling for, they're not saying turn your back on the pathway of traditional Western living, I think they're saying, please be aware, and if you have the courage to modify that pathway so that some very important other additions can be added to lifestyle, like uh, what other additions? The one that stood out for me, Chip, is I started to hear that instead of measuring one's life through busyness, how much can we become busy as if the amount of busyness defines our, um, our fruitfulness, our productivity? I actually started to hear go the other way. The other way is find more space. Mm. Did you experience that over COVID? Uh, and what was the effect on you? Well, honestly, we were very uh, lucky over COVID because I was working outdoors, so yeah. the impact was minimal. I'm probably not the uh, right person to ask about that because yeah. it, it was a complete uninterruption to my daily life. Well, I can just imagine many families who actually found family during COVID mm. because parents weren't going to another workplace. Maybe they were working from home, but they had more... 
management over time to finish at five o'clock. I'm making it up now to, to meet yeah. the children, to actually or, have or a to family meal break. together. Yeah, to take the break when they needed to, Absol- as opposed to when the clock Absolutely. told them to. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I remember, uh, for me, COVID was the turning point of getting extremely fit and really honouring ah. and looking after my body. That was your turning point. Hey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. And yet I'll share with you a conversation um, that occurred with my son who's a, a, a fitness. In, He's a beast. In, I've yeah, seen this man. He's an absolute savage. Yeah, yeah fitness instructor, uh, a, a personal coach. And I said to him, um, hey, champ, not chip, hey, champ. <laughs> <laughs> hey, champ, um, how are you going for money during, uh, during COVID? He says, uh, Dad, um, there's been no loss of income. I said, how come? I said, you can't go to the gym and, and, and meet your, your guests. He said, you've got to understand that in this day and age, so many of my clients actually need a personal coach. They've never actually done a workout without a personal coach. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he said, we're just doing it through Zoom. Yeah. And I go, oh, wow. I said, that's interesting because I'm running the parks <laughs> for the first time, doing my exercises in the park. <laughs> really appreciating that exercise too. Yeah, it was, it was an interesting, on one hand, the, the, the buying into the societal way, the current way, um, then got moved to Zoom and yet I discovered that I could actually take personal responsibility without a coach through COVID yeah. by going out there and doing it myself. Yeah, you know? it's, yeah, and I think that like what I'm hearing with everything that you said, you're talking about just there, like COVID uh, it seems to be, and lockdown seems to be a restriction, but you've found uh, actually more freedom and opportunity um, and running up against those restrictions. Well, can I be honest with you? I wouldn't have started the podcast possibly without... Mm. out COVID and, and secondly I, I started the book and I gave myself a three month time frame to write it and finish it but I'm so grateful that I have it yeah. and here's, the, here's the reason why all this material we're talking about today like duh it's going to be in the book yeah it's, <laughs> yeah, it's going to feed right into it, that it just flows into my learning my way of seeing mm. um, a way of seeing things and, ref- right? and hopefully refining those ideas too yeah. let me just let me, uh, how are, how are you going on the book? Can you give me a percentage uh, completion? Yeah, yeah, you know, halfway, halfway, halfway. Five chapters of nine. It's a nine-chapter um, book. Hmm. Um, I reckon it'll be about 250 pages. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. That's yeah, that's the yeah, sweet spot. Yeah, right, yeah. Very good. Yeah, yeah, very yeah. Good. yeah so five chapters. Um, yeah, so working on it at the moment and really, really enjoying bringing all of this material together that will flow into. Mm. Can um, you share share with us a working title? Or are you keeping that one close to the uh, chest? No, sorry, Pat. Yeah, sorry, hey, mate. No, I can't <laughs> go there. Can't go there just yet. There's a couple of uh, beautiful turns and twists in the book, which we'll just keep secret till another day. All right, I love it. But I can promise you when it's published, mate, I'll be talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Won't be able to shut him up then, I'll tell you what. <laughs> but coming back to you know the, the the modification of the pathway through unlearning, right? I'm I'm hearing the call to manage mind. Um, mm. Stop allowing it to just intervene at any time. Be aware, conscious awareness, um, unclutter. Mm. I'm also I'm also hearing. Rather than attachment to things, 
get attached to experiences. Mm. Experiences lend themselves to growth and greater, um, greater awarenesses. Mm. Well, experience is an investment in yourself. Whereas yeah. things are just an investment in things. Yeah, and out and 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 outside of self. God, we're mm. attached to so many things. If you want a proof of attachment, well, you see a young one lose their iPhone. <laughs> mm. well, I haven't yet. I don't know if I want to. Oh wow, it's disastrous. For that wow. Show. Oh, wow, talk about it. You know, yeah. uh, and every time I, I use that as a metaphor, I think of those beautiful young people that I meet in Africa. And I can let you know now, the only thing they're attached to are people mm. and community. Yeah. They're not attached to their iPhone. And half the young people that I take over from Australia who meet these wonderful African uh, teenagers and, and, and young men and women is they're just bemused by how happy they are. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little, it's a little bit of a, a sore commentary on our society, isn't it? Well, it's an. I uh, uh, rather, uh, I just see it as open up your uh, open up our eyes and understand why are they so happy when they live in twelve square meters, corrugated iron roof and mm. common corrugated iron wall. Sure, I'm, I'm not advocating that um, we shouldn't be, um, uh, you know, focusing on, you know, toiletry and better uh, uh, sanitary uh, sanitation, yeah. sanitation options mm. for them, you know, and better educational. I understand all that. I understand that. But I'm letting you know now that there is benefit in poverty. <laughs> yeah. I, I see it, you know. Yeah, I, I, because I, it, it forges so strongly that sense of community. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. And an attachment to things. Mm. I mean, they can sleep on a chair. <laughs> <laughs> I envy them. <laughs> right? Because every time it rains at Kibera, the great slum of Nairobi, the, the, the rainwater goes through their floor. Mm, floods the floor, yeah. Yeah, they're going to sleep the on dirt the floor. You know, yeah. Um, and and, and the, the, the other modifications as we go through the process of unlearning is understanding that our job these days is not just an avenue to money, that our mm. job these days, our work, can actually be attached to personal purpose and values. I won't do anything that doesn't align with that purpose. Wow. Now, I'm sorry, buddy. Say that one more time. I will not do anything that does not align with my purpose. Therefore, everything that you do, welcome to humanity. There, there might be an occasional you know, trip over. Huh? But in the main, everything that you do is an extension of what you have decided is your purpose. Yeah. Because I, there, there is work that I get offered to do, and I go, no, that doesn't align with my pur- purpose. Huh? So that some people would say, well, you're doing yourself an injustice by not taking the money. I mean, well, why would I want to take the money if I feel bad about like and hollow and it doesn't serve my purpose? There's a heck of a lot of young people out there. They will only work for someone whose values of that company can be aligned and congruent with their own. And they're asking, what do you do for community? What Mm. is your uh, attitude towards global warming? A lot of young people have got a very global selective view of what their workplace needs to 
offer them as a spiritual values driven human being mm. mm-hmm. yeah. yeah this is a modification yeah. yeah and a really good one too but I mean values are so important yeah yeah yeah. Absolutely. What I hear there is it, uh, about reclaiming uh, what worked in the past and incorporating that into what we have now. It's funny you should say that because, um, as you know, I, I try to be an avid reader. Current book is called Sapiens. Now, mm. this is not unknown. This has been doing the rounds for a long, long time. Yeah. A Brief History of Humankind, Yuval Noah Harari. Apparently, he's the professor of anthropology at the University of Jerusalem. Mm. Yeah. And this book is like, uh, how many pages? 550 pages uh, long. So it's a big, thick one. Bernie, just a quick pause there. I want you to explain to listeners what anthropology actually is. Oh, good one, mate. No, you do it. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, well, I think it's it's a word that uh, we hear a lot, but it's, it all it means is uh, the study of human beings. Yeah. The study of human societies. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is which one of the, I just love it. I think it's a fascinating subject. So anyway, well, tell, well, tell us more about Sapiens. Well, his writings have given me a broader perspective on our current existence. And allows me not to get hung up about things, recognizing things have been changing for a mighty long time. Mm. Right? Mm. Get a load of this one, Chip. Yeah? In his opening chapter, he talks about the Earth. Scientists can say that the Earth existed 4.5 billion years ago. Mm. You and I are Homo sapiens, so we're a version of. Uh, I was going to say humankind. I can't, I can't even say that definitively. But there's Homo erectus. Mm. There's been Neanderthals. There's yep. been other versions of us. But we as Homo sapiens, you know, bipeds, big brain, we've only been here for 250,000 years. Mm. A blink. A blink in the eye. Well, here's the blink. If the 4.5 billion Earth years was a year, we've been here 12 minutes. <laughs> 12 minutes and we want to take ourselves so seriously <laughs> mm. yeah nothing like a dose of history to put things in perspective <laughs> and in that 12 minutes we used to be hunters and gatherers go get the berries eat the leaves I'm sure there was a bit of hunting for some animal foods saber tooth cat all that. <laughs> etc etc but then we decided to become efficient we became farmers. We started mm. to grow crops. And according to Yuval Noah over here, what then happened is our whole diet changed. Yes. <laughs> because we became wheat and, and rice eaters with a little bit of extras on the side. Yeah. <laughs> so we narrowed down the field towards our diet. The other thing it did was it, we then needed peasants and workers on the farms. Mm. So we grew from 10 being hunters and gatherers, little family that lived in the cave, to 110, that's now a little village that, of course, needs a bit of governance. Mm. So I'll read read you a little chapter here. It goes something like this. The pursuit of the easier life resulted actually in much hardship and not for the last time because it still happens to us today. For example... 
How many of our young college graduates have taken demanding jobs in high-powered firms, vowing that they will work hard to earn money that will enable them to retire and pursue real interests when they are 35 years of age? But by the time they reach that age, they have large mortgages, children to school, houses in suburbs that necessitate at least two cars per family and a sense of life that is not worth living without a really good wine and expensive holidays abroad. <laughs> <laughs> what are they supposed to do? Are they supposed to go back to becoming um, hunters and gatherers? Yeah. No. What he might suggest here is, well, we need to be consciously aware that that particular historical evolvement may not have led us to a pathway that ultimately serves us. Mm. Exactly. Yes. Ev- evolution is not always progress, is it? Well, that's interesting, isn't mm. it? I'll, uh, boy, there's another chapter with you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just throwing them out there. That's a take-home one. That's free. Are you a reader? I am. Uh, I uh, typically read fiction, though. Fiction oh, okay. Is my yeah. Refuge. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it activates parts of the brain that yeah. I really enjoy. You know what? I, I, I could do with a dose of that, but guess what? I don't. Uh, Tuesdays with Morrie. You ever read that one? No, I haven't, but this is it's extremely well regarded. Yeah. Uh, Mitch, from what I read about Mitch it. Ablom. Yeah. Morrie Schwartz, he was um dying with Lou Gehrig's disease and mm. and uh he decided that he was quite happy to to bring death into the living room to, again, to, may I say please humbly, to do a Joel State, remind everybody that through death, you're actually reminded of the preciousness of life, mm. you know? And so the television cameras came into the house of Maurice Schwartz. <laughs> And, and and as this man deteriorated over a uh, a period of time, and his old student Mitch, yeah, saw it on the television, decided to visit him, mm. and so as a result of one visit, he vowed that until Murray passed, he would spend every Tuesday in every, his lounge yeah, room. Okay. That's yeah. the book, and so so began the life lessons of Murray Schwartz now given to us through the wonderful book written by Mitch. Mm. Would you put it in your top 10? Uh, I think it's a must read. For anybody who's interested in the theme of this podcast, love, happiness, meaning, mm. maximising life, yeah, I think you've got to read Tuesdays with Maury. Did Maury have anything to say specifically about unlearning? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he, he virtually said things like this. Why do we trade lots of our dreams for a bigger bank account? Mm. You know, what's that mean? Well, if you take on the society's paradigm of success and you've got to earn your first million, I'm making it up now, please, but at what cost? Mm. You know? um, don't buy into it. He called it society's culture. So the message is, uh, it's all around us, uh, Chip. But thanks to Bella Cameron. Good on you, Belle. Bella. Uh, you introduced the term here on a journey with Bernie to this old fella here. And that term was unlearning. Um, don't get trapped by the traditional messages. Mm, that don't seem, get trapped by the lessons. Yeah. It seemed to be introduced to us from a very, very young age. Mm. Just be consciously aware of them and just ask yourself, are they leading us to, to happiness? Mm. Of course, the, the, the last question, I think, Chip, 
in this wonderful chapter with Chip um, is is why why would we want to be aware of unlearning? Well, I'm going to allude to a, a 27 year old and a 32 year old. We're talking about you know the generations that are at the the heart of our our modern society. And uh, I'm going to let Matthew Barber and Innes Hemmings give us the why. I, I spent so long thinking and presuming that happiness came from external things. Yeah. Um, relationships even. Yeah. Um, material things that you own or that you acquire. And I had all that. And yeah. yet there was still something that was lacking. Yeah. And naturally... For most people, they would they would think that oh I, maybe I just need more. Yeah. And from what I've experienced, there there is no limit to what is more. Yeah. It it's a bottomless bucket. Yeah. And so what I'm starting to realize, and what I have experienced to a degree, is that what I am looking for is already it's already within. It's yeah. it's already my my essence, like you say, my yeah. nature. And so the whole spiritual process is not actually about attaining or obtaining anything. Mm. It's, it's actually just about cleaning the dirt that's in the way that's stopping us from seeing reality as it is. Yeah. You know, sometimes, and I would probably say in most cases, we need to arrive at a place where we have just had enough of suffering yeah and where we realize enough is enough yeah and um, and I have suffered enough and now I need to change I need to change course because this is just killing me basically and yeah. I'm not not happy and I feel not aligned with who I am at all and if I'm suffering constantly suffering and meeting meeting failure upon failure of course only my perceived failure but something must be off you know and so I, I guess that question that arose was is there more and yeah. yes of course there must be more it seems that the the worldly things which used to which I used to give a lot of attention to are concerning me less and less and less yeah. I, I have less desire and attachment to these things yeah and uh, the attention or the awareness back then, when once this once this awakening journey started, the awareness started to turn from what was outside to what is inside. Yeah. And realizing that what I'm looking for is is actually inside. Yeah. Um, like like Christ says, the kingdom of heaven is within. Yeah. And uh, there's a Buddhist mantra, Om Mani Padme Om. Yeah, yeah. And essentially, the, the jewel is within the lotus. Yeah. Um, the lotus referring to this idea of enlightenment. Yeah. So the jewel is within. Yeah. The kingdom of heaven is within. What do you think of that one, mate? The kingdom of heaven's within you and the jewel is in the lotus. I think, well, yeah, what I love about them is those are, those are two religious statements, but from, you know, absolutely 
different parts of the world that uh, never had any contact as they were coming to those ideas, they still yeah. come to the exact same idea. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, in, which in speaks a, to something universal in yeah. the human spirit. Yeah. And yet, here's the interesting thing is both would say definitively and knowing them, they are actually not religious, but they mm. recognize that religion can play a role to a degree in their, what they would call their liberation or possibly, to start to finish this chapter, their unlearning <laughs> into a happier state. But I don't think we should go into the happier state. I think <laughs> I'm not sure we have time. I don't think anyone has time for that anymore. Let's leave it for the next chip chapter. Chip chap, the next charming chip chapter. Hey, how'd you think it went? Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed myself. Uh, I hope the listeners did too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, it's um, it's a bit different than than listening to interviewing a traditional guest. But if our listeners can get some feel for what I've had during the last week or two as I've summarised these episodes then uh, I just felt um, really empowered and it helped me to start to see things clearly. Hey, Chip, Nepal on Monday, mate. And guess what we're taking with us? A journey with, with Bernie. Bernie. <laughs> <laughs> see you, folks. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Bye. Bye. 